0: Welcome to STD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at ccoastguards.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Good morning. How you doing? No, no, you have to do better than that because we're going to move fast today. Okay. So you got to get up, get up, get ready. Okay. Good we... Good morning. Yeah, all right. right. You ever notice when things are off a little bit? I just got up here and I noticed that they moved my podium. <laughs> that much. And it threw me off completely. Like, what is wrong? I feel out of kilter. I hope you're not starting this year feeling out of kilter. I hope you're feeling on track, ready to go and do what God wants you to do and be who God wants you to be. And we're trying to help you with that. And we kind of started this series, the uh, the year with talking about what Christians really are. What is a Christian really? And then how do we live out our Christianity? We're going to talk about that uh, starting today in the next couple of weeks. And uh, it's seven rules um, uh, of life. And it's not rules for living. It's not keep these rules. It's not do these things, don't do these things these things. A lot of people think Christianity is about that. That's not it at all. Uh, this is actually a, a set of things uh, that you do um, that help you live the Christian life, live it better. Rules for living, not, not, uh, not in terms of uh, keeping the rules, but in terms of here's some things that will help you stay on track. And so we found out that, uh, that Christians have been doing this for, for centuries, uh, um, a couple thousand years almost, and, and, and they've come out, they develop these seven things that are just the very basics of Christianity to help you be a, a strong Christian. And, uh, and we also found out that the root word, the Latin root word for rule, is, is the same as trellis tell us. And so here is the picture. So if we were to use it in that sense, this is a rule by which this gets shaped or formed, right? By the way, can you smell it down front yet? Can you smell it? It smells great, doesn't it? That's why you sit in the front, people. Anyway, so... And so with this, so about seven years ago, uh, my, uh, not seven years, many years ago, uh, um, my assistant, who had been a landscape designer before that, um, gave me a, a grapevine to, to put in my backyard. And I did. And I put it right next to a post that led to the, the patio cover. And I had, I had great expectations. I, I anticipated great things. The first year, it kind of um, grew about that much. And I was, okay, and then it lost its leaves. Next year, it Grew the same amount again. And, and I'm like, and so for seven years and until the seventh year, this thing didn't grow more than that. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but on the seventh year, there's probably some biblical implications here for those of you Bible people, uh, it just took off and exploded. In one year, it went from that much growth to covering, the patio cover was 10 feet tall. It was about 15 feet long, 10 feet deep. It covered the whole thing. In one year, It just exploded. Now, fortunately, I I had planted it right next to it, so it had something to grow on. Otherwise, it would have taken over my backyard, right? So here's what we need to understand. Our spiritual development isn't just happenstance. It's not by chance, all right? We get to participate and work at growing spiritually, all right? Uh, So what would it look like if you had this, but no trellis? Well, it wouldn't even look this good because right here is a stick, It would actually just kind of go, it would just kind of, let's see if I can undo it here. It would just do that right there. That's what it would do. It's still going to grow. It's going to grow wild. It's not going to be beautiful. It's not going to stand up. It's just going to, right? So I have seen people who started strong in their spiritual journey, and because they didn't put in place a structure, a a, a way to grow uh, an intentionality about their growth, they just kind of went. Over the years, I have known a lot of people, and more than I want to admit, who started out strong, and when they kind of outgrew the first, the first little stick, it just kind of, and they started believing crazy stuff. They just grew wild. I've known people who went from, from Bible-believing Christians to uh, uh, talking to trees. I mean, I mean, I don't mean metaphorically, I mean talking to trees. I mean, like weird stuff, like really weird stuff. And what happened? They didn't have a structure for their growth. And so they started growing, and it just started going all over the place. And how do you structure growth so that at the end of the day, you don't look like this? You don't look like just somebody. So a lot of people talk about this. Well, I'm spiritual. Well, what in the world does that mean? I don't even know what that means. And what's great about this word is you get to make it up. What does it mean? Well, I'm spiritual. But what does that gain you at the end of the day? At the end of the day, you get to say you're spiritual by your own definition. It hasn't changed you. It hasn't determined your eternity. It hasn't made sure that your sins are forgiven or you've developed a character like Christ. hasn't done any of those things. It just lets you say, I'm spiritual, and you can try to convince yourself of that. But if there are things in place that help me grow to become shaped and formed like Jesus— then at the end of the day, I don't need to say I'm spiritual. You can look at my character. You can look at the integrity with which I try to live. You can look at the the compassion, and you can look at the change in my life. It is evident, and it is shaped because I've been intentional about my spiritual development. Does that make sense? and so we're going to do a rule for life, and it's not the rules for living. It is a rule for life. Here is the structure within which the the practices that I will do consistently in order to shape me to be who God wants me to be, okay, or to allow God to shape me more accurately. So, you good? You okay? You got that picture? Okay, so um, I want to just give you the first five today, and these are internal uh, things that we do uh, that help us become like Jesus. And the first one is to just be quiet. It's about silence and solitude. It's about just be quiet. Psalm forty-six, ten says, he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, the second part of that is interesting too. It says, I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. It doesn't say, if you be still, I'll be exalted. He says, no, I'm going to be exalted whether you catch it or not. Whether you realize who God is or not is up to you. you got to stop. You've got you to understand that I am God and that I am in control. And all the craziness you're responding to and reacting to is not really that important if God is God. I don't need to fear. I don't need to worry. I don't need to run. I don't need to hide. I don't need all those things. I need to be still and let God be God. And so we start with, uh, with this, silence and solitude. Some of us call it daily uh, quiet time. Uh, daily prayer time, whatever it might be. Uh, why? Uh, first of all, to prepare. Mark one thirty-five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If it was important for Jesus to begin his day, being in, in, in that place with God, being in that time with God, having that time alone with God, how much more important is it today for us? So here's something I think is, is, is interesting. I was talking to someone last night, someone who's a little older than me, and we were talking about how life kind of does get clear, and some parts get very confusing, like, I, are bell-bottoms in or out right now? <laughs> and if you think you know the answer to that, you might be wrong, because I just, I know, I read last night. <laughs> Here's the deal. We live, a, as you get older, it's harder to deny the realities, of the spiritual realities of the world in which we live. Here's one of the things that I think is the biggest problem with with Christians, especially in the West, especially in America, is that we forget that every day is a battle. Every day is warfare. Well, we don't like to think that way. That's harsh. Well, guess what? There is someone out to eat your lunch every single day. Every single day, there is someone trying to influence you to make bad decisions To say things are going to hurt people, to do selfish things, to diminish your relationship, to diminish your character, to take shortcuts and all kinds of, there is, well, one of the wonderful things about having traveled the world and seeing some awful things is I have no doubt that there's evil in the world. I've been to places and I've seen things that, it wasn't bad upbringing, it wasn't some psychological quirk, it was all out evil. I have seen things done to children, child soldiers in Africa Um, human trafficking in so many parts of the world, I can't even tell you. I don't enjoy any of those, but I never, ever doubt that there's evil in the world. We just have our nice little warm, cozy little little West Coast thing here. There's no evil here. No, there is evil here. And that evil is not only out to destroy you, but it's out to destroy your culture. It's out to destroy your family. It's out to destroy your, your country. It is just destructive. That's what evil is. And we try to explain it away. It's, it's this. It's, no, it is evil. And you are naive if you think that your battles, when you fail, when you mess up, when you think wrong thoughts, you say wrong words, you think that just happens. No, it was, it was a battle and you lost because you weren't prepared, because you showed up for spiritual warfare with a rubber gun. Right? You showed up to do warfare and you had toy, toy weapons. Why did Jesus spend time with God every day? Because he knew there was going to be a battle. There was this whole temptation of Christ that that happened. This whole thing, 40 days in the desert, it was all about battle. He knew it was battle. And by the way, his weapon was God's word. Every time Satan tried to tempt him, he said, it is written. (laughs) In other words, these are God's promises. This is how life is supposed to be lived. I'm not falling for that. That's kind of what this is. This is how God says I should live my life. I have believed it. I have decided in advance. I made a, I made a joke last night when I was a youth pastor. I used to try to tell kids, make decisions ahead of time, like at youth group. In the backseat of a Volkswagen is not a time to make decisions. And some kid over here goes, what's a Volkswagen? <laughs> Part of what we do with putting God's law in charge, putting God in charge and and living according to his law is that we predetermine. (laughs) I spend time with God in the morning so that when I come to the possibility of reacting badly or in grace, I'm ready to react in grace because I already decided that this morning and asked God to help me do that, right? And so I predetermine I'm gonna live according to God's plan and not my urges, appetites or anger or whatever it might be. And so we begin with this this quiet time with God, just just silence and solitude, just being with God. It has to do with understanding how much God loves us and all that He's done for us. You might call it CrossFit training. We do that to prepare, and then we do it to listen. First Samuel three nine, Eli, the priest Eli, young Samuel has come to to work. In the temple, and God kept speaking to Samuel, but he thought it was Eli talking to him. So he said, What do you want, Eli? And, and Eli says, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. One of the most important things we can do during this time of silence and solitude is listen to God. So listen to God? Yes. Listen to God. Remember that illustration I gave you all ago that I, I, I will come at some point. I, may come to a point where I have an interaction with someone where I have the opportunity to just be, yeah, and even justify being nasty. You know what I'm saying? Or I can act in grace. They don't deserve it. I'm not really that good, but I could act in grace. And God knew that was coming up. So is it possible that the strategy this morning that God puts on my heart is, you need to be gracious today. And then suddenly I'm in this spot and I go, okay, let's talk about this. Right? Right? You say, well, does God really care? Yes, He cares about that much because not only have you dealt with another person in a different way, in a Christ like way that could improve them, it has grown your character to be more Christ like. That is what is supposed to happen every single day of our lives. God wants to be that involved in, interactive with our lives and our character development. So we prepare, we listen, we wait on the Lord. Here's one of my all time favorite passages. I love this passage. I I quoted it for you, and we'll list it up there, in the King James, because that's how I learned it, and I love it. It's Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This idea of waiting on God, it's not not like husbands and their wives. Was that sexist? Because I stand by it. I just want you to know that. And, uh, it's not like, no, it's like, okay, God. So I, you know, I got to tell you, I know for lots of people, and and I'm embarrassed to even admit it, but I've had a rough last couple of years, just mentally. It's just hard. I'm not in control of anything. And not being in control is not a good place for me. It's probably a great place for me. It's not a place I like. I just—I haven't been able to be in control, and it's, it's hard. It just, if anybody else is a control person like that, it's just it's hard. And here's what I've had to do. I've had to admit I can't fix it. I mean, I'm not even talking just about the pandemic. There's other stuff going on that, that I had nothing to do with, and yet I'm, I can't fix it. I can't figure a way around it. I can't go through it. I am stuck waiting on God. And yet, I don't don't like it. I don't want it to continue. And yet I have to admit, I feel closer to God right now than I have in years because I'm waiting on God because he's the only one that can fix this thing. He's the only one that can bring it around. Let me just say a word of encouragement to you. Spend some time daily waiting on God so you'll be ready to wait on him monthly, weekly, yearly, whatever it's going to take, wherever you hit that tough spot, and you will. And you can trust him just be with God. Just be with God. One of the things that I have found during this time is that uh, sometimes in my in my history, uh, God's, uh, I'll, I'll talk to God and I'll spend time with God and this new idea will pop in and I'll take the church and we'll just go. We just, it was the right thing at the right time and God just did it. And right now he's saying you're not going anywhere. You're just going to wait. And it's gotten so tough. On, on a regular basis, I'm just on a daily basis, just waiting, okay, I'm here today. It's all I got. I'm here today. And it's enough. And God is good enough. And it's okay. And yet, if it weren't for these disciplines, these habits, the structure to my faith, I would be running around like a maniac trying to figure out how to fix this thing or change this thing. So the first one is to silence and solitude. Be quiet. Um, and then the second one is to be learned. Not to be taught, but to learn. And it has to do with scripture. Jesus said, It's that a written man should not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Oz Guinness, a number of years ago, wrote a book called Fit Bodies, Fat Minds. His accusation against Americans we're more concerned with staying in shape than getting our brains right. I, I had a, I kind of, because it, was, it sounded a little too, too, cerebral for me, I kind of lowered it down to the lower shelf for me, buns of steel and mines of silly putty. <laughs> and he went on to say that we, we and this was before the internet became so incredibly popular and pervasive, we have mental hedonism instead of loving God with all your mind. See, the idea of, of learning scripture, that's how Christ defeated Satan in the temptation. It's how you'll defeat temptation. Spending time with God, knowing his word, knowing how to quote his word. Um, And we spend so much time. Do you guys get the little report at the end of the week, how much screen time you spent? You ever want to hide that? Nobody else see it? You want to do that? Yeah. By the way, one of the things you might want to consider fasting is uh, some screen time because we have so much information available. But let's be honest, a good percentage is not looking up something really helpful. It's just looking up something interesting. It's just kind of vegging, just kind of, oh, look at that, oh, look at that. And and you're amazed how much of your time it fills up. But the Bible says that we're to love God with all of our mind. Our mind needs to be engaged. The way we engage our mind is reading God's word. What if we were to take the time that we would normally be vegging and, and just flipping the, and start reading God's word? Like A couple came to me last night and they've committed together to read uh, the Bible this year. They're going to do it together. And they say, no, we should have done it long ago. Maybe that would be an idea. Um, so reading God's word is one, one thing that we can do. Here's what it does for us. Colossians 3 says this, since, the, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Thinking about godly things because nothing below, nothing down below is going to get you what you really need. It's only in a relationship with the God above us, the God who is greater than us, the God who created us, that gets you. And the way we know him is by reading his word. The second thing is by listening. And I mentioned, I mentioned, uh, uh, that while ago. but to listen in Ephesians, I, it's not just listening to God but listening to God's word. In Ephesians it says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, those are the fivefold ministers of the church by the way, that God has ordained leaders and has gifted leaders to teach God's word so that, and here's what it's for, uh, to equip people for works of service, I could do a month on this passage alone, um, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and, and uh, the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Here's the deal. If you want to grow, and you, you need to grow in your knowledge of Scripture, and not only can you read Scripture, but there are very gifted people. God has gifted people who can help you understand it because they have studied it extensively more than more than you have most pastors i know are not big shots trying to trying to you know be in front of a crowd all the time most pastors i know are actually introverts and they teach not because they want to be seen or heard but because they feel a responsibility because that's what god has gifted them to do and so when you are ready to learn, you want to learn. There are plenty of teachers, whether it's, it's here on our staff. We have great teachers on our staff. We have, some, we have some young teachers that are brilliant around here, so much smarter than I am. And we have some great teachers. We have some small groups. There are tons of books. There are some great people uh, on the Internet that make sure they're Bible-believing, solid uh, Bible teachers, where you can learn God's Word. The way you'll learn to set your mind on things above is to fill your mind with the good news of what God has done. And who God is, and that's a part of this listening. Um, and then meditate on it. Romans eight six, The mind governed by this flesh is death. But so what's happening when you're just kind of flipping through the internet? What's governing your mind? Is it a thing above or a thing below? It may not even be evil in and of itself, uh, but just using that time ineffectively. So this is what it says. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace you want life and peace, then get your mind on the right stuff. How do you do that? Let the Holy Spirit govern your mind. Let the Holy Spirit do a little house cleaning, a little redecorating your brain, what you're thinking about, what you're focusing on. Let the Holy Spirit do that. And you say, how do I do that? Well, we started already with a quiet time with God. You invited his spirit in to speak to you. Now, as you read his word, he can guide you. He can fill your mind with the things that you need to know. What we think about matters. If you think about something often enough, you will eventually act on it. Right. So the, the first one is to be quiet, silence, is solid. The second one is to learn scripture. Third one is to be connected to God through prayer, connected through prayer. Um, Matthew 6, 7 and 8, and when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Two things. One, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, it's expectation, this is a part of the deal. And then he says, and your father knows what you need before you ask. But here's another passage, Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Why should we pray if God already knows what we need? Why should we pray if God already knows what we need? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Many of us have, have grown up with a mindset, uh, and not from the Bible, a mindset that says you, you, you talk to God when you need something. So God is a divine vending machine. And you plug in your prayers and you get back whatever it is you think you need, okay? But that's not really how it works because you're not telling God anything. See, prayer isn't about informing God of anything. Do you know something God doesn't know? Is there anything at all that you know that God doesn't know? So God doesn't need you to inform him. So then there must be some other reason for prayer, right? Because he still says, come, bring your needs, bring your petitions, bring your requests to me, come bring those. So what is the deal? If he already knows them, why is he saying bring them? What's the deal? So let's say my little, my little grandson, four years old, little Jed. Little Jed comes in. Papa, 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 Papa. Jed, what's up? What do you need, buddy. Papa, I need some water. Oh, okay, okay, well, I can get you some water. Now, I knew he was running in. He was thirsty. I could have I done that. But why did I make him ask me? Because I wanted to talk to him. Because he's Jed. I love the way he expresses himself. I love the way he's growing up. I love it. he's you know he's like, okay, so okay, so look, okay, we can get you some water. So now here's what's happening: when we're talking to God, it's not informing God of our need. It is doing two things. It is connecting with Him relationally. Which is the more important of the two? By the way, the fact with the interaction with Jed, he thinks it's about getting water. I think it's about me and Jed hanging out for just a minute. He thinks about getting some water. It's not. It's about me talking to Jed. Just having a chance to interact with him. And invariably, a little four-year-old, I always touch him or grab his cheek or do something because I want to connect with him. See, when we talk to God, it's not about informing God. He knows. It's about, first of all, connecting with God in prayer. And the second thing is, it may be about clarifying our prayers, the Bible has all kinds of weird things like you ask what you will his name, he'll do it, and all kinds. But it's not the divine thing. Here's what it is. Have you ever started out a prayer like here? And you ended up your prayer over here. But what I mean by that is I start here by saying, God, this person, then, hmm. And then as I pray more, I begin to realize, okay, well, maybe I, you know, I, I could have. Pro- I, oh, God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> because what happened? It's so much more fun to blame everybody else, isn't it? All the problems are external. It's all them. But when I'm, in connecting, when I'm connecting with God, when I'm in his presence, and I'm talking to him, he always boils it down to my part in the deal. Do I, what's your part? If it, even if it was just a bad attitude, you got to own that. Because remember, God is always acting redemptively with me. He's always trying to redeem me, my experiences, even my mistakes, so that I can be more like Jesus in the end. And so praying isn't just telling, okay, God, here's what I need, here are the things. You will find the longer you walk in relationship with Him, and the more you connect with Him, the less you're asking for stuff. The less you're asking for stuff. And the more you're just enjoying being in His presence. So, Prayer. Um, we pray to know God. The reasons we pray to know God. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ. Make sure that who you're praying to is not something you've made up. That's why you got to read scripture. Because a lot of people are spiritual, as I mentioned earlier. Ah, me and God, we've got, we've got an understanding. The most absurd thing I ever heard. Guy said to me one time, yeah, yeah. He was doing something that was obviously out of bounds. Not just as a Christian, but as a man. And I confronted him. And he goes, oh, no, 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 that's good. He said, don't don't give me the God stuff, because me and God, we got an understanding. I, I don't know what God you've got an understanding with, but it's not the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, the God of creation. You've got, you got a misunderstanding what you've got. You've got a misconnection here. You make sure that the God that you're believing and the God that you're following is not something you made up. It is something that's been revealed to us through God's word. We pray to know God. We pray, we pray to stay connected as I just mentioned. Um, 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 let me just read this passage. John 15, 70. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If I am staying connected with God, even my prayers align with him. Even when I pray, I even start asking for things that that he wants, not just what I want. That abide, that remain, that staying connected very much about this imagery here. And then uh, to ask for help. And indeed, we are to ask for help. And the asking part is not to inform God, but maybe to inform ourselves, or to clarify for ourselves, or to take a step of faith, toward a solution or hope or greater faith. Listen to this. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The truth is, is that we pray in order to clarify what's important and to offload our burdens. God, I know you've got this. I keep wanting to take it back, but I know you've got this. God, I know you've got this. Uh, James uh, 4.2, you desire but you not have, so you kill. You cover but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Uh, I mentioned a little earlier um, that some people um, maybe have given up and quit asking God. Maybe it's for, maybe you wanted a mate, maybe you want a child. The desire of your heart, and you've quit asking. But I encourage you not to quit asking. The answer may not be no. It may be wait. Wait is the hardest answer, by the way. Because <laughs> no, you, you okay, that's it. And, but wait is really hard. I feel like uh, our church, much of our country, many of us are in a kind of a waiting mode for God to show us what is next. But don't quit asking. Don't quit believing. If you've got a child who's off the rails, um, if you've got something that you're, that you're waiting for, don't quit waiting. Continue to ask God. Continue to listen. Continue to trust him. The fourth one is to be disciplined in some physical way like fasting. Fasting. Um, part of why we fast. Uh, let me, there are several reasons. Let me read a passage first. Matthew 6 says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you fast, put it all on your head and wash your face uh, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What he's saying is if, if you're putting on fast to look religious and your whole point was to make other people think you look religious, well, good job. You're done. You're out. But if you're fasting in order to grow close to God, to clarify some things in your life, you don't need to tell everybody about it. You just have, it's, it's doing a little business, you and God. Let me just give you some things real quickly. You fast in order to prioritize your spiritual growth. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all the other stuff will get taken care of. Matthew uh, six thirty three, to prioritize spiritual growth. We have a plan for going to the gym. You, some of you, have a plan for going to the gym. I should have a plan for going to the gym. We ha- we need to have a plan to grow spiritually. It needs to be a priority for us. Uh, it is also uh, the reason we fast is to grow closer to God. Blessed are for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, sometimes setting aside food for a while in order to get really focused on my relationship with God. I'm not earning God's favor. I'm not getting brownie points. God's not going, oh, good for you. It just helps us stay focused. Just like I have to write my prayers. Otherwise, I can't stay focused. Sometimes I need to set aside food. Sometimes I need to set aside screen time. For the next 21 days, we're doing those things. We're fasting many different things, many different people. I would include a a portion of some kind of food to set aside just to help you stay focused. And whatever time you would spend eating that food, spend that time talking to God. And just fast and just get serious about being a person of, uh, of faith. And then, get control of my appetites romans twelve one therefore, I urge your brother and sisters in view of god 's mercy to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. this is your true and proper worship, just getting your urges and your appetites under control, getting it centered back up again you, you just need to do that, and then, uh, for spiritual breakthroughs, um, I grew up in a tradition in which when there were issues at hand, and we couldn 't figure out a way to solve them, whether it was paying the bills for the church or some brokenness in community. I grew up in, uh, across from St. Louis uh, when I was um, in my middle school or my um, grade school years, and there was a lot of racial um, violence, tension and violence happening. And when something like that would happen, the church would be called to a fast to make sure that we were right before God, to not only invite God's presence and his solutions, but to make sure that we were right and ready to do what we needed to do. Here's what it sounds like in Joel 2.15. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. What Cody and I have done in, in, in the leadership of the church for the past several years is to stop in January, call a fast, to make sure our hearts are right with God because there's plenty of issues going on around us. There's plenty of crisis happening around us, in our families, in our marriages, in our community, and certainly in our nation. And we want to make sure that as Christians, we're not just reacting, we're not just getting blown around by whatever um, thing is being said, but that we are solidly in right relationship with God, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, ready to respond in love to whatever opportunities we have as well as personally dealing with whatever issues we have. And so I challenge you to fast for the next 21 days. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to do a, a Daniel plan. Um, and you, there are any number of things, maybe just uh, one or two items, whatever it might be. I'm, I'm going to encourage you to do that just to get serious. You see, getting saved is easy. Becoming like Jesus is really hard work, right? If you just want a fire escape, you say, okay, I'm in, I'm good. I hope you meant it. But what if you could be like Jesus? That's going to take some work. Between you and God, working this thing out and becoming more like Jesus. Fasting is a part of what does that. And then finally, and the, the, fifth, the fifth rule is um, simplicity. Just be less complicated. Listen to this passage. Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. And what uh, uh, excuse me. He has shown you, where do we go here? There it is. Uh, what is good. And what the Lord require, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. In a complex world, in a crazy world where things are going nuts and everybody's calling each other names, everybody's lying about something, listen to this. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Today, I want us to be those kind of people. They're not fancy over there, but you know what? They're fair, they're honest, they love God. Those are pretty powerful things. If we could just do those three things this year, we'd probably turn the world upside down. These three simple things. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I don't know what kind of, rule, uh, kind of um, um, plans you're making for this year, but let me encourage you to choose these five rules and two more that we're going to teach you and live by them this year. Who knows what will happen? Let God be in charge of the outcomes. If we would live by these, we would just practice these. God would be free to do some amazing things. Let's pray. Lord God, I am so grateful that you didn't just tell us to be good people <laughs> or even to be spiritual people. You told us to follow you, to do the things that you did. And Lord, it didn't seem very complicated what you did, but it was amazing. You walked around, and you taught, you healed. Lord God, you, you talk to your father every day there's just some wonderful things that we can learn from you. And so today I ask that we would not aspire to change the world today, but to change the way that we are in it. And then if you choose to change the world, you can do that. Teach us to walk with you, Lord God, every day, simply. Lord, we thank you so much for giving us the privilege of knowing you, walking with you. And now help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. And as you're standing, I'll tell you one thing that you need to know about we have, uh, we not only want you to practice spiritual disciplines, we are going to be praying uh, as well. There is a wall set up out in the lobby out there. And on that wall, uh, we would like you to feel free to take a note and write a prayer request. If there's something you need prayer for, uh, you don't have to sign it. You can just put it on there. We're going to have our leaders, elders, um, staff, people come through the lobby this week and stop and pray over those things you put on the wall. And uh, and if you have a praise report, put that there too. We'd love to pray about that. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.